Merry Christmas. Welcome, welcome. This is our second podcast of So You Can Hear Me When I'm Gone. Our guest is Dan Perry. Dad, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Other than feeling like I'm having to talk about myself, it's uh, it's good to be here. Well, Merry Christmas. How's the week been? Awesome. Just uh, finally finished with my grades. For the first time, I got done before the weekend, before Christmas. The weekend know. before Christmas. I usually am like right, right up, up to the till Christmas. Yeah, the 23rds when they're due. From and I've put them in before at midnight on the 23rd. But <laughs> this year, I got done on Friday before the weekend of that time. So I am very pleased with that. That feels good. It does. Get it done. So I'm very chilled right now. As well you should be. I may fall asleep. <laughs> I'm so chilled out. He's going to fall asleep in the, telling us a story. Well, you have been involved with scouting for quite a while. I have. Yep. So you were actually a scout. I was. When you were a young lad. Yep. I started in scouting when I was a Cub Scout, actually. And my mom was... Uh, one of my funny, it's it's not as much a memory as it is looking at the picture of me in my Cub Scout uniform, oh, okay, okay. and I've got my pants rolled up. I mean, I swear, and I remember distinctly going, this is how I want them. And they're rolled up between my, my knees and my ankles. I'm like, what was I thinking? I don't know, but there's the pictures of me. No, it was like not a thing, but it was for me. <laughs> So I had them rolled up, and they're like, you know, a couple inches high rolls. You know, not like a little roll, but just like a couple inch high rolls. And they would go up clear. I, I, most of the pictures I've got of me, are, there's, I think there's two or three, but they go somewhere between my ankles and my knees. It's like, what in the world was I thinking with that? Anyway, funny pictures. But my mom was really fun. She was a fun camp leader. I mean, a scout leader. Where I, was this? This is in, this was in, uh, let's see. Well, it was started out being in... Um, must have been Glide when I was a little bit older. There's a lot of Glide, fun, Oregon. Glide, Oregon. A lot of fun memories in Glide. We built a house there, but I don't. We don't need to go into that. But the scouting part—that's another whole story with Glide. But there's a ton of little stories there because that's where my brother broke his arm and I fixed it and all that kind of stuff happened in Glide. Yeah. But, but one of the things of scouting is I remember being a Cub Scout, being a wolf, and I remember going through each of the ranks, and I really enjoyed it. My mom was a really fun leader. And we had, I don't remember how many boys she would probably know, but four or five, six boys. But it was enough to have a good time. So that was my first real starting with, with scouts, was cubs. I liked learning the badges. You know, it wasn't a badge, but, you know, learning the, the ranks and stuff as we went along. And it was a lot of fun to go through cubs that way. But that's one of my, one of my memories is I, I loved high water pants, I guess. I don't know what my problem was. But anyway, so yeah. And then we kind of, we moved from there from Glide, Oregon, up to the ranger station up at Tokety Falls. And I don't remember scouting that much up there. It must have been because... would have been less than 10 years old, or yeah, around 10 see. years old. Yeah, it would have to have been about that age. Because I was in the third grade there. Uh, we, I was in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. In Tokety. Yep, that's correct. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Because then when we moved to Corvallis, I was in the seventh grade. So when we moved to Tokety Falls for that four years or so in there, I did get, I did go through the scouting, but I don't remember that much with scouts specifically in Tokety Falls. I don't remember like a lot of activities. We did maybe some craft things, but I don't remember a lot. What I really remembered is, is when I turned 12 and then we moved to Corvallis, Oregon. And, uh, and that's when we, that's when I remember being involved in scouts there. I was a Deacon's Corps president and involved in the scouting at that time and, we had this great scoutmaster. I thought he was awesome. Turns out later on, I found out, you know, when I'm in my 20s, I find out that the parents were really upset at him, upset at him like 90% of the time because he would do stuff. And all the boys were like, this is awesome. And the parents thought it was not awesome. For, for example. <laughs> for example, yeah, exactly. We're out on this, out on this uh, trip 
uh, went out to the coast range from there. Corvallis to the coast range was, it's on the way to the coast, you know, and you go up and over the mountains there. This is more scouts rather than cubbies. This is, this is scouts. Yeah. This, this is, is more 12, scouts. Yeah, 12 yeah, yeah, years yeah, okay. old. I was scouts. I was, you know, tenderfoot. I remember getting my tenderfoot and going all the way through a lot of the stuff there was in Corvallis. In fact, most of my earning years was in Corvallis there, you know, in the 70s. So it'd been in, uh, let's see, 69 to, oh, 74. So yeah. when we lived in Corvallis, roughly, I'd have to go look at the actual dates, but that's pretty close to there, 69 to 74, because I left when I was in my senior year, or no, I left between my junior and senior year, so that would have been in 1974. So, and Cal was the, Cal Majors was the scoutmaster, and anyway, this was when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, for about three or four years, and then he was scoutmaster. But one trip I'll never forget, he got, he, and I know he got in trouble, all of us, Felt bad for him getting in trouble on this, but we we took. He borrowed my dad's truck, which was a beautiful '57 Chevy. Um, uh, what do you call it? Not uh, not a fleet side. There's a name for it, but anyway, it's got the got the fenders on the outside of the of the of the back of the truck. You know the 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 bed of the truck. So the fenders go on the outside of the of the bed. There's actually a picture of that truck. Uh, my grandpa and we've got that. It's a red red. Uh, um, truck anyway, GMC. Anyway, I remember the truck like it was yesterday, but, um, my, um, he borrowed the truck from my dad to go on this camp trip when we were headed to the coast and it was just raining like cats and dogs the whole time. And, uh, we, we get into this place and we're going down off this hill and it, the whole place was like a huge, just basically a big muddy, sloppy road, the whole thing. And, and I remember, I was in the right next to Cal, and there was another kid right next to me, and then we had kids in the back. I know seriously. in the bed, in the oh, bed, boy, yeah. And, yeah. Lawsuit. And there was another car, another rig as well. There are two different cars behind him. Anyway, he goes after, and instead of like you know, this is we're not going to get out of here. He's like, we're going, and it's just down this pretty steep hill. And it's like a logging road. It's I just mean, there muddy. was no there mud. Was, we're going to get stuck. There's no gravel. I remember thinking. We may not get out of here because it is just or we're going to be walking out of here. It was pouring rain. Anyway, we get down and we're sliding all the way down. We got the brakes and we're sliding down this hill, essentially just like rolling, sliding down the hill. And it was probably half a mile to the bottom, you know, at least. And we would get down in this area. We set up camp and we there the camping in Corvallis and all that whole area there was always just tube tents. And a tube tent is basically a round piece of plastic you can crawl your crawl into. And the reason we use tube tents is because they were like literally a piece of tarp. You just zipped up the end. You're not zipped, but you used a, a what's it called? String or a twine. twine. Or Thank you, yeah. twine. Yeah. And put the twine on the ends and then cinch it up. And we, I mean, we've sat, I've sat in uh, six, eight inches of water all night long and never got wet. Because it because was a tube tent. Just a tent. Yeah, so, and that's what that was what we tarp. used was tube tent. It was a, was a, it was a tube tarp. It was, it was basically a plastic tarp. And, totally waterproof. And if they wear out a little bit, you know, get, start to get where they where they wrinkle up a little bit, and they'll get the little pin, pinholes in them. Throw it out because they were no. You had it had to be almost submersible. This thing was to, to keep them getting wet. You know, so that's where we all set up our tube tents. So one man, you know, sometimes we get those. Yeah, I, I shared tube tents a couple times with people, mostly my brother and I, we'd, we'd share the same tube tent. He would be facing one end, I'd be on the other end, my feet would be towards the middle. The middle. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Like a, like a Chinese finger trap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the tube tents were quite the deal. Anyway, that was, we always did, and it was easy to set up. You just run a string through the tube, tie a string on one one tree, and of course in the coast range, there's trees everywhere, and run another string to another tree, and then almost put, like a put rocks in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, like a hammock and then put rocks in the corner. Only it's on the ground is all. Put rocks in the corner on the inside and then and then take twine and zip up the ends. You know, just had the little uh, um, grommets on the ends. Cinch up the end and you, you, I literally like got up in the morning and stepped out in, in like water. Like six, eight inches well, of water. you would be at the bottom of this hill where you all oh, set yeah, up it camp. Was, it was just a huge, big mud. It, what it was, is a, it was a clearing, for a logging clearing. And that's where and you were I camping. Think, oh, I think my dad probably told him where it was because my dad, you know, was in the Forest Service and knew all these different places and stuff. So I think he might have told him where it was. But it was so muddy. It's like we should have gone somewhere else. But, of course, we were – he was kind of like a Bryce guy. We were a little bit late. We got in. It was dark when we got there. We're driving down the road in this dark in there. You know, but this is also kind of winter. It was probably February, I would imagine. And in the Coast Range, it doesn't snow. It just, like, rains, rains. like yeah. a ton. 
anyway, we get in there and, and that was all fine. We actually, it was actually all good. The next morning we get up though, and we decided to get in this after breakfast, we got in this mud fight and we're, oh, we're hucking mud at each other. Well, I don't know, but most mud has rocks in it. And so we are like Jeez. whacking each other and people are getting injured and a couple of kids had stuff on their heads, you know, like I never got hit, but abrasions. <laughs> some people got hit blood the on the uniform. And, and this is where they got really ticked off at him because he didn't stop the mud fight. <laughs> you know, we like set up forts, you know, we were like hucking mud and dirt, dirt clods at each other from, from the forts, from one side of the camp to the other. It was actually a lot of fun. We had a good time with it, but you know, a little bit of blood, but nobody lost an eye. Nobody broke an arm. It was good. No harm, no foul. <laughs> so we just kind of like had a good time there. So we get back and the parents start hearing about stuff. all the stuff that happened while we were there, including the fact that we actually had to go get help to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, I remember one of the leaders had to walk out and get help and they came down and actually we ended up getting towed out of there. The truck, yeah, because the of the truck, mud's so it was, bad. Yeah, it was like, oh my word, what did you do this for? So I know that that one got him in a lot of trouble because that was irresponsible, and you know all the stuff you throw at it. But middle very middle. memorable. I never forgot all the stuff because I think I beamed a couple of people and they got injuries from stuff that I had, but I I never got hit with anything somehow. I don't know why. And that's how Cal was. But he, we always did some of the funnest stuff. We were at Camp Alpine. And uh, that was the camp that the that the stake uh, owned, the church owned, the stake uh, Corvallis stake owned this camp, and this was the place where we had. I'm not sure, but I think I learned later on that there was about a hundred. It was like a quarter section of land. You know, no, that can't be right. No, that is right. It's a quarter section of land. It was 160 acres, and we had uh, about 85 of of the acres or more, or maybe even a closer to 100 of the acres was in Christmas trees. And one of the ideas was for the, Christmas tree farm and they had like actual had, Christmas tree yep, farm. And we actually, well, I participated many on lots of different Saturdays. We'd go down and plant Christmas trees. Um, they had this machine that would take and uh, make a like a little plow, but it would make a slot in the ground. It would pull a slot and then you put the tree in there and it would close back behind it. So you literally like open up the ground, put the tree in and it closed the ground all while it was moving down the, down the row. So you just walk alongside with the machine Sit, and drop trees. In. Just sitting down, there's a pile of trees, little seedlings behind me, about yeah. were, you know a foot long or whatever, with bare root seedlings, and a big old pile of them out of a burlap sack. Grab them and take one. And I was I was you know a younger kid, so I was sitting on this little trailer thing that was being pulled by a tractor. Oh, that's a that's and a put, just put and it would split, open up the ground. You just stick these trees in the in the slot. That's all great. there was to it. You look back and we'd, we'd plant like a thousand trees in a day. I mean, it was awesome. That's way fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's huge fun. Christmas tree farm, like over the hills kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, you couldn't see the end of it. It was this huge. Well, 160 tree farm. acres. I mean, geez. Well, about a hundred acres of it was there, but it went up and down hills and it was awesome. And then people would come out. We had service projects to come out and trim the trees. Of course, they weren't allowing teenagers to do that kind of thing because <laughs> who knows what that would look like but but we did all the planting and not uh, like christmas trees it would not look like christmas and trees we helped them cut christmas trees oh okay and that was fun too but they actually did that and i think that actually paid for the whole piece of property the, the every christmas, year the christmas the, the proceeds thing. from the christmas trees actually paid for that whole piece of property i honestly believe that's what happened I think, you know, President Rampton and a few others were pretty smart on this kind of stuff. And they thought, well, we, if we have enough acreage here, we can have a, you know, it'll be service, but it's also, you know, we can make money off this. It pays for itself. It'll pay for itself. And it worked. I don't know all the finances. I, I was a kid, you know, but that was, but that camp, we went, almost all of our camp outs were at this place. There was a creek going down through there. Or there was a little reservoir with a dam. I mean, there was mountains, there was, you know, walks up into the hills and logging roads and everything you could want. Oh, it was amazing piece of property for a kid. So much fun. We went there pretty much all the time. In fact, we went there so many times that we all kind of like, can we go somewhere else for camping? Because, <laughs> but it was very convenient and we knew where to go. We knew what it was and it wasn't a it was mud, familiar it, and comfortable and it wasn't a mudslide, you know, can't find the camp thing like we got into before. Right. So, so. Cal ended up going there a lot because he got in trouble for doing the other ones. <laughs> Let's just stick to what we know. 
So there's a lot of memories with all that. But anyway, and then my other big memories with scouting when I was that age was was going to scout camp. And we went to Camp Baker, which is still actually, I believe, still a, a valid scout camp over on the coast, like right on the coast. You could see, um, it was around, a, I'm trying to remember the name of that lake, Silicus Lake, or Lake Silicus, Silicus Lake, I think it was, huge lake. And actually, it, it felt big at the time as a kid, but I looked back at the maps and it was a big lake. It was it's a, a good-sized lake, good yeah. Size, yeah. And the, the scout camp was out on this big peninsula that went out into the lake. And uh, this this is where I've got a lot of memories there because I was most of my memories there was I was a senior patrol leader, so I was like, you know, in charge of all the all the boys and everything. It was it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed that. I was a, a star scout and a life scout there. So I was, you know, higher rank. So 15, 16. 15, yeah. Fourteen, yeah, 15, yeah, 15. 14, 15 is what it was, not, not 15, 16, because I'd got my license then. So 14, 15, yeah. Anyway, before I turned 16. Anyway, it was so, the, there were some great memories there. A lot of, that was a fun camp. We went there at least two, three times, I remember going. But it was the coolest camp, seriously. There this the huge big trees out there on this peninsula. The lake was fantastic and they had these big war canoes yeah they call them war canoes now we're talking they're like 14 passenger of course they're scouts you know little teeny butts but but we got 14 of us in this thing and that and they had three of them and so what you could do is if you if you um i don't know what the term was at the time but anyway basically requisition these camp canoes and let the camp know i'm going to go on this reserve them yeah you know how we'd go like scout camps they'll have you let you go do an overnight or somewhere and you go take off and sure. do a little thing every scout camp has usually some kind of a high adventure sort of a section of the camp for an overnighter like wilderness survival camp merit badge or something you know so we would get in this and we were able to get this this work canoe now we'd want i'd been doing i remember a couple of years looking at those things man those things are cool like 14 people in there we could make this thing go and so we looked forward to it and then finally my last year that i was there we were able to actually get the canoes and go and go to this this uh site it was an island in the middle of the lake clear out a ways from the peninsula. From the peninsula, yeah. But ours was wrapped around the north side or the the, west, the east side of the peninsula. So we did, it was on the leeward side of the wind because the coast range, when it gets up in a big storm, it you get you know it's nice to be out of the wind. So yeah, we you want to be on the lee side. Yeah, we were on the lee side of the of the peninsula, and that's where the whole camp was there. And the swimming was there. I got my mile swim there and swing badge. I mean, we just it was a really cool camp, and the water was you know not bad, and as far as temperature goes and stuff and. There was just there was just a ton of good memories at this camp. Well, this last year that I was I was senior patrol leader, and we were able to get this these war canoes, and we had two uh, no excuse me, yeah we had two war canoes. There was enough of us in the troop to have two war canoes, and we outfitted it with the it was the more it was the older boys, so it was fourteen fifteen year olds, the twelve year olds and thirteen year olds weren't allowed to go. I don't remember why they did it that way, but that's kind of what we did. It made sense. And we didn't have it fully outfitted. I think we had 12 in each. Um, so we had, you know, because we had a pretty big troop. There was probably, gosh, now that I think about it, we must have had 35 boys. It's a pretty big group. It's actually quite large. Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty big troop. A lot bigger than our Redmond crew when I was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, everything, it was just big and just, fun and it was it was quite the quite the and, adventure and yeah. adventure and, and cal was very you know he's right in the middle of all of it he was a really fun guy he would like we'd go he would just do stuff and we could like he was High adventure take risks yeah this is fun let's go do yeah. this yeah exactly he was game you know yeah. he'd like oh let's go and uh, it wasn't ever like oh no you guys go do you know he wasn't at all he we're not hitting the brakes we're no. doing this no he was if we were going to do it he'd like let's go it i'm i'm i'm, I'm for it so we this, so we took off and we were supposed to, I think it was on a, like a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday. We were supposed to go off in the morning or no, in the afternoon. We got them like three o'clock in the afternoon. They were supposed to get to our overnight over to the island, road, you know, paddle over to the, to the island. And it was a ways. I mean, this was probably, we paddled for memory wise, probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half even. Oh, it was getting dark, so it could have been a couple of hours of paddling. It was it was quite a little ways. It's a big lake. Yeah, and, well, big lake. Were you paddling into the wind also? No, at that time it was very calm. I remember oh, just okay. it was really calm and it was nice out there. We get out there and we start setting up camp. It seemed like we got there. This is on the island. You made it to the island. You're we made it to the island. Yeah. yeah, it was about like four o'clock in the afternoon when we got there. Five o'clock. No, it must have been later because it was it was no, it was probably right. That's probably about five o'clock because we were getting supper, and then. Um, 
and I'm trying to remember now what happened, but we, a couple of kids forgot things. Some of the younger boys, like in stuff like sleeping bags and basic you know, sleeping important stuff. things like a tent or <laughs> no, it's like it's scouts you know like uh oh yeah a- am i supposed to bring like my sleeping bag um and we're like yeah where's yours i i forgot it at, at the camp and we're like oh my gosh so we, we put sleeping out under the stars yeah, you know and we all uh, we said okay anybody who's got their canoeing merit badge and you know you've done these different things we know you're at a certain level we're going to take one of the canoes. We'll keep everything else here. You guys stay here overnight, and we'll we'll be back. But we're gonna we're gonna take us. So we I think there was eight of us, I believe, and we're pull, pushing this what would be a fourteen man canoe. Yeah, and these canoes were awesome. I mean, they they looked like a, a Native American canoe. They were tipped up on the ends, and they were it looked like birch bark kind of stuff. And they were just an awesome that's canoe. Just it really, oh my really cool. Gosh, that's fun. Anyway, so we get in there, and we're like, we're you're th- at half crew, half crew, but we think we're the best. Because we're like, you know, we're the ones that won the canoeing stuff and we've got the canoeing merit badge. You know how to swamp the canoe and then flip it over and, Capsize you know, like we were, like, and I'm the senior patrol leader and like, we thought we were like, we can, we got this. No problem. We're going to head to back to camp, get the sleeping bag and you know, bags. And there was some other stuff, like really critical stuff. It's like, what, what the freak is wrong with you people? But they, you know, just stuff like that. I can't remember what they all were. Teenage but boys. I remember there was at least a couple of kids that forgot their sleeping bag and were like, oh my gosh. But they don't realize it till we're setting up camp, setting up the tent. It's like, well, where's my sleeping bag? Well, I don't know. Uh, Did you pack it? <laughs> so, so that's when we leave. So it's like, you know, get dark around, this is in the summertime in July, so it was probably getting dark around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Yeah. And it was probably, oh, we were probably an hour and a half away from dusk. So maybe like 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock when we left, 6.30, 7 o'clock. And you're just starting so, out. So now we're starting oh, off, geez. we're going to go back over, because we're, we're, but we're faster. So we thought we could get over and back before dark, is what we were pretty convinced of. Um, and we had one of the other leaders, no, Cal was with us, and he left one of the other leaders there with those boys, so Cal was with us. Uh, you know, our scoutmaster. Anyway, so we head out, and uh, we're and I'm in the stern because I was always steering. I've like always done that. I don't know why it just makes sense to me, and I always wanted to steer. Nobody else seemed to be able to figure it out. I don't know. So one of those, I was always sternman, you know, paddling, and so I'm calling and and ruddering. I'm mean, okay, okay. Go, go, okay. Go, you know, stroke, stroke, stroke. I think we just were hauling. We were like totally making time, and, just clipping along, and then we see these lights over on the west side, and everyone goes. Hey, what are those? And we're going, I don't know. It looks like some lights over there. You guys, we got to go get candy bars. And we're like, no, we got to make it back. Oh, no, we'll have time. We'll totally. It's only right there. We'll have time to go do it. So we start paddling towards the lights. Which is some kind go of convenience store or something. Yeah. <laughs> so the problem is there was another thing that we weren't really paying attention to. There was a storm coming in. Here it is. Yeah. And we just weren't watching that. It was... We were, we were like, we were on it. We were having a good time and we were starting heading towards, uh, you know, back to the peninsula where the camp was, where Camp Baker was. And then we get distracted like, like, like bugs to a light or something, you know, mm-hmm. we're going, okay. And somebody said it, I, I don't remember who it was, Kevin or Blake or somebody said, we got to have candy bars. So like we start heading towards this light, the candy bars are. So we get there in pretty good time, actually. It wasn't bad, but the storm's looming. It's getting worse. And um, it wasn't raining or anything yet, but the storm, you can you can The storm's see behind you. The storm is in, well, it's to the side of us. Okay. It's on the west side. We're headed back north again towards the peninsula. Okay. And so we're going perpendicular to the storm. Yeah. And we're seeing it. And then we, we get our candy bars. Everybody's all munching away. So now we got candy bars and we're supposed to be paddling. So here's how that kind of worked. Bite. Yeah. Not a lot bucket, of paddling paddle, going on. Bite, you know. So we weren't really making a lot of headway then. Well, now the storm's really brewing. And we start heading out. We're going now almost due east, headed for the peninsula, just to get around the peninsula. And this storm is kicking up big time. We're like getting big waves. And now everyone- White caps. Yep. Starting to get white caps and everyone's starting to go, time to put the candy bars down and get serious. And I'm like, we have got to paddle hard. Like I am drilling everybody. We got to go. Because I'm the senior patrol leader. I'm supposed to be like- Making sure this happens. Now we're just making, we're going back to camp. We still haven't retrieved the sleeping bags. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's now getting darker. 
and darker because of the storm. So dark because of night, but even darker because of the storm. So, and so wind. Now we got all the stuff that precedes the storm. It's windy yep. and all that stuff's there. Big, big looming blue, black, you know, dark clouds. Yeah. It should be light out, not even dusk, right. but it's dark. It's dark. Because it's like big clouds oh, this is covering times. up the sunset. So now it's really dark. And uh, anyway, so we're paddling along and we get this and I've got Kevin's up front. He's in the bow and he's always been the good bowman. I've been the stairs, you know, sternman. So I'm ruddering and we're now, we're trying to, we've got to go northwest. And so we're cutting. So the waves are coming at us more or less broadside. Which is the so, worst possible yeah, situation, totally for, especially for a canoe, especially for a canoe. Yeah. We all know it. We all know this is like not good, right? Because this is the older boys too. Yeah, okay. yeah we're all experienced. We've been doing, we've been paddling, been doing canoeing, and all got our merit badges. We've been, you know, doing stuff a long time, long time, a year, right? Know, but, that's a long time. But to a kid, you know, that's a long time. I'm like crazy we're experienced. All, we're all old hands. At this, yeah, exactly. At this, we uh, we know totally what we're doing. Anyway, we're paddling along, and we're just like, I'm getting more and more anxious because I'm seeing. You know, I'm seeing big waves breaking over top of the bow. Kevin, everybody's yelling at each other. We're all, we're trying to keep. Totally out of sync. No, no. I'm trying to keep everybody in sync. We're actually in sync, but I'm trying to steer it so that we're, we're not quite parallel. So we're having to zigzag between the waves. You're trying to go bow on into the the waves. So we're, we're now we're paddling into the wind. More we're, or trying to be because we want to hit bow. Well, we want to hit I'm bow doing a on. Paddle to the you know we're hitting the side of the bow or side of the boat <clears throat> or side of the canoe and then turning in, turning in. Yeah. Side turn in, side turn in. Anyway, bottom line is we start. Um, we hit a couple of waves and starts freaking us out, and then we hit this one big wave. One big wave hits us, and we just it caps right over. Yep, we're over. Oh my god! And we got this fourteen. 14 passenger canoe. Everybody's in the drink. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking back at it now, I think that the canoe was probably, I want to give it at least, at least 18 feet long, maybe even 20 oh, that's feet enormous. long. That's a pretty good sized canoe. That's like the size of our boat, you know. What a hoot. Uh, oh my god! And gosh. it's wide, and it just, boom. Pitch black, huge waves, and yeah. now we capsize yeah. in a canoe. All of us in the water. So the first thing we're doing is counting. Well, I come up under the canoe hit my head on the inside of the canoe, take a big breath, because guess what? There's air there. Yeah. But did I think about that? Well, heavens no. All we're doing is just trying to get air, because we all went, boom. Out. You know, head over tea kettle oh kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. This is and, so great. And so I come up underneath the bow, and I'm going, I got to get out of here. And we, I can feel the waves moving us broadside to the boat, to the canoe. So I determine I've got to get up and go away so i come up away from the boat well the first right exactly my first attempt my first attempt was to go was to go with the way i didn't know i'm just getting out and it ends up being right under i go out swim away and the boat comes over on top of me and i come up under the boat again because it's moving it's moving wind. quickly too. quickly yeah so i'm going okay i can't do this so I, and I, as far as i can tell i'm the only one under the boat Everybody else is right. on the outside. And time, oh, wow. well, I don't know what's going on. And like time's going by because I like do this and then I, I can't get out, take another breath. And now I'm just kind of starting to panic a little bit because I'm going, holy cow, you know, then I, am I going to get out of this? So then I swim. I, I go the other way and I realize the wind is blowing the boat and I can't out swim the wind. Right. So I swim the opposite direction, pop up, and then I'm out and then I'm fine. Yep. But now boat, the boat is also, it's still moving. Boat's yeah. moving and it's upside down. Oh, man. This and, is fun. And we got candy bars floating by. We got. We got boys. We got boys by. screaming. We got you know. Fortunately, we all had to come enough sense to keep all of our life jackets on, so we're good. Everybody's floating, but and everyone's there. We're counting. I'm counting, and Cal, Cal's counting. Kevin's counting. We're all counting. You know, Kevin's assistant patrol leader. He, he and I were good friends, but everyone we, we counted for everybody. So it's like okay, all right. Well, now what do we do? We're looking at the the windward side of the peninsula. Now we're we're kind of headed towards that. It's pushing us towards that. So we weren't that far away from the peninsula. I mean, it really wasn't that bad. If we hadn't had a storm, we could have totally made it. Theoretically. Anyway. <laughs> so, but bottom line is they, I guess what was happening is we're out there and we're going, okay, everybody just, we, all we can do is just keep battling. You know, we got, we're in boots. We got, you know, our shorts on. We're kind of weighted down. Honestly, yeah. we weren't, you know, we went light. We didn't have any equipment, just paddles, candy bars. Which is of fine. course, yeah, and you know, just our our, our stuff, our coats. Anyway, so we start paddling and moving along, and we're pushing the boat essentially, pushing the boat basically. And we weren't making really any headway. 
we were trying to get it towards the water's the, just going to push you into shore. Is what's going to happen? That's all that's going to happen. We're 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 fighting to do what we can. Anyway, all of a sudden we get, and it felt like all of a sudden, but I'm sure that it wasn't. But all of a sudden, for us, there was like three boats around us, motorboats. Somebody had seen the all capsized. They were probably oh. watching us because these are people that have docks on the yeah. On they the live lake. yeah. Okay, so they're out there. They're like, oh, what those boys are going to do out there. I wonder how. And I bet you they're just watching what's happening. You know, they're oh, all whoop, there. They go somehow if they were going to make it or if they were going to flip. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at it as an adult now, but at the time I I didn't have a clue. But I was so grateful because they're like, we're going to be forever getting to this peninsula, and we're all getting cold. I mean, the water's, you know, it's 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 not warm it's colder water so you're eventually going to get hypothermia because you're just it's going to drain you yeah and we all started feeling it we're all getting stiff and it's cold we've been out there for a while first these boats all they're all circles. tired yeah. yep and they get us all out of there hook up the canoe and pull us and we're all just you know shaking Shit. and everything <laughs> and they get us around to the to camp baker go around the peninsula and they, we get out of there and, you know the canoes and they're all there's people that are yelling at us for being more being stupid you know you know and uh, anyway, we end up back at our own camp. Actually, we didn't. We end up to at another camp. And I remember getting set up in this campsite. And obviously, it's dark now. So, so whatever we thought was going to happen never happened because eight of us are now in these two tents. There's four of us in each tent. And they were just camp. There was a campsite that wasn't being used at the time. It wasn't our campsite, but it was another campsite um, where tents were set up. And so we end up spending the night there. But uh, that night, everyone had nightmares. We're all like, I remember waking up myself in a nightmare and thinking, you know, we're going to drown and all these kind of things. So it was actually pretty, pretty traumatic, really. But so that's why it's so memorable. It's like, like in, totally ingrained in my in my mind about all the stuff that happened, but we can laugh about it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're out there, and, and a couple of kids were peeing on the side of the tent. They're in the middle of the night. They wake up and they don't want to go anywhere because they're right there. So the end, and I'm hearing this like trickle of water <laughs> <laughs> on the outside of the tent. It's like, dude, just like go walk away a little bit, you know. But nobody, we're all kind of scared, you know. Nobody wanted to really go. It's still away. kind of a bonding experience. Yeah, to so a degree, it was a whole though. thing, you know. So anyway, next morning we get there, and, the, and these guys come back from the because they got the other canoe and and I don't know how these kids got by with the sleeping bag. I guess no, Same I do know. Y'all did. They used our sleeping bags. Oh, there it is. Because we left our sleeping bags there because we had nothing. Right. So that's why we had to just go to this other site because we didn't have anything. So they we got borrowed uh, sleeping bags and everything. Yeah. So that was the Camp Baker capsizing the war canoe kind of thing. Never forget how how that was. But we got yelled at. I mean, you know. Probably would have done it again. It was it was it was quite the experience. Well, this is fun. just one in a mini in, yeah. in a long list of misadventures. That was a good camp, though. It was a lot of fun. We built this big tower, twenty foot long, twenty foot high tower in our pioneering merit badge. It was twenty feet tall. Seriously, I remember measuring it, going, "We're going to build the biggest tower that they've ever done at Camp Baker," and we're like, and we did. It was pretty fun. I was big. I, I liked lashing. I was pretty lashing. good at it. And we got a big bunch of us going. We made the rope, and we, we went from like twine all the way to the rope and built the whole things it was it was actually a lot of fun it was a great merit badge but that's the those kind of things there i just had a great love got a great love for knots and for canoeing and outdoor you know biking i mean hiking and being out there yeah doing it. just really fun that was also the same camp the same scoutmaster that we went on the 50 mile hike with yeah mosquitoes and all that oh, jazz. gosh there's a whole story with all that but you know as a kid scouting was just really really fun informative i mean just really oh, shaping yeah. yeah i just we I, I learned a lot i was i was in leadership most of the time then i was a scout senior patrol leader for probably two years and that trend continued into it did. as an adult yeah. yeah i just really enjoyed uh scouting i i just really had a good time with it and enjoyed leading boy you know peers you know doing that kind of stuff they looked to me as a i guess i just kind of had natural leadership things or something i don't know but i tended to always be in charge of it and I'm you know I guess my loud mouth or something I don't know speak up and hey let's go do this you guys let's and then we'll go, oh, yeah good idea mm-hmm. even though probably like 90% of my ideas were stupid but you know like the work and it probably was my idea I don't remember it being my idea to go back I know it wasn't mine to get the candy bars <laughs> but I don't know whose it was but I liked the idea so you know and I'm in charge so it's like well, whatever anyway, it's, it's almost like a, a mob mentality yeah somebody voices something let's go do it yeah. Well, and that's shaping. And then it gets into leadership. So now the shoe's on the other foot. So yeah. now we're looking back. Yeah. And for leadership, 
this is slightly different than scouting because the church at that time anyway, and actually up until recently, um, uh, when the church parted ways with scouting, I think that was just a couple of years ago, actually, but it was unique because they kind of blended the young men's program with scouting. So they didn't really have an independent, uh, young men's program. Oh, and then we're going to do scouting. It became that. But when I first started out as a leader, um, I was, I had gotten home from my mission. I was, I was asked to be a, a, the new program at that time, I think was called, um, Oh boy, I want to say venture scouting, but that doesn't write. Maybe it was varsity scouting. I don't remember the name of it. This would have been early 80s. Yeah, when I got home from my mission. Late 79, 79, 79, 80. And uh, we were in Springville. I was, and I was asked to be the, one of the, you know, advisors or something like that. And I was like, what, 23 years old or 22. Right. And, um, you know, and it was, and we, and my only real memory from that one, because we ended up moving to Provo and I ended up getting, I was called the Elder Crown president and I wasn't in the young men's anymore. But that time, um, we were, did a, did the Klondike in Utah here, the Klondikes were a real big deal in the winter times. And they were actually a lot of fun. You know, people like would get like just the hoot. Yeah. You make your own sled kind of thing. And it was quite the deal. Get into it. It was, I, if I'd had more time, we would, I would have been more fun, but I only had one winter in there and it was the most miserable winter overnight camp that I'd ever been in. Cause my sleeping bag was not warm enough. And so I you just sit like, there and freeze I just the whole night. Sat there and shuddered the entire night, shaken like this, yeah. just shaken the whole night. It was like the most miserable. I finally got up at like five o'clock in the morning and built the fire. And yeah, it might even have been four o'clock. I don't know. So I couldn't stand it anymore. I'm like, I'm just shivering the whole time. You can't quite sleep, but you kind of can. Sort of. It's this weird. I, 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 it was just my sleeping bag was okay. Well, that goes back to a story of my mission. But you know, I had the sleeping bag that my one of my guys, I loaned it to him. It was a nice down bag for my scouting years. Oh. The guy puts it in a, in a washing machine. Oh, he ruined it. Oh, geez. And that's all I've got. And I'm out here on this winter camp out and the thing is like threadbare and down's all stuck in one corner. And I'm going, oh my gosh. And then I had a little summer bag on top of that and it was, I just froze all night. Anyway, so that was my Klondike experience in Utah here. But, but that started out being where it really was a definite line between scouts and ironic priesthood stuff. And then it started really getting muddled and people started just not paying attention, in my opinion, not paying attention to the ironic priesthood driven part of this. And the scouts is, I mean, scouts was always as a leader for me up until the last 10 years or so was always supposed to be about, um, you know, ironic priesthood purpose driven. Not, not, sure, sure. Not, and you know, so it's about what's, what are the priesthood purposes here? What are we doing this for? And then it, and then it, uh, but you'd get a lot of leaders that were just like into the scouting stuff. And it's like, you know, so you'd say things like, well, we need to have a prayer over the food. They're like, this is scouts. We don't need a prayer. I'm like we need to have a, like, you know, it's called a scoutmaster's minute. We need to have a scoutmaster's minute. And they're like, <laughs> these are adults. These are like, right. You know, peer right, leaders. Right, right. And I'm like this young guy, you know, 26, 27, and they're all thinking I'm trying out to be all yeah, self-righteous or something, something out here, yeah. like, because I want to have a prayer in a Scoutmaster's Minute. It's like, but it's the, the this is still scout, spon- yeah. scouting is supposed to be the activity arm of the Aaronic Priesthood, not, not in charge of it all. And it just started going more and more towards where Scouts was, that was what Aaronic Priesthood was. And it got too intermingled. It was not right. Because in my, my growing up years as a kid, we had the duty to God program and those were very distinct things. And then you could get an award, a scouting award from that. Like you, like, well, I think you still can do that. I can't remember what it's called. I think it maybe is duty to God actually. Yeah. And you right. could get this religious award in scouting. So it was really separate. And, but it, it was always a running priesthood driven. We'd always have prayer. You always do these different things. And it just got to where a lot of the leaders were like, this is all about scouts. And it's not, and that's where I think Mike, you and I, when we were, in uh, when I became young men's president in in Meridian, Dal had already uh, gone out. He'd already gotten. He was older. I graduated from high school and had already gotten his eagle and stuff. And we, I was wanting to do this. And you've probably heard my philosophy about this because of that. Because you were what fourteen or fifteen? No, fourteen. You must have been fourteen. Well, Mike got his eagle in Meridian. Right. Exactly. Well, it was leading up to that, and I we had this camp camp. Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget the name of it. 
Kolob, Camp Kolob oh, yeah. that we set up, okay, which was really this. priesthood driven. That was what my goal was. It's like, let's get back to what it used to be, where everything is priesthood driven. Or what and then, it should be. Well, yeah. that was, that. you read the handbook and that's what it was about. And I was like, I was all about the handbook. I felt like that, that's what we should be doing, what the, what the brethren wanted us to do. But anyway, so I feel like in the in the church, a lot of that really, we just got off a lot. A lot of the leaders, it was, you know, we ended up having things like, which we never would do when I was a younger leader in my 30s and stuff. We just were, you didn't have, um, uh, what do they used to call it when you go up for a, a review? Uh, you'd have these reviews. Board of review. Board of review. Board, board of review. review. We, we always had board of reviews during the week. They They were having them on Sundays. You know, we'd have court of honors on Sundays. It's yeah. like, what are we doing? This Sp- is, scouting was essentially taken over. That, that's my opinion. That's yeah, my I perception of it. And it just wasn't, it was never supposed to be that way. And it wasn't when I was a younger kid. And even going to my earlier years in, in leadership in my 30s, we, it, was, it was driven by the priesthood. And then it just, we just got away. And I don't know what happened or how we got there, but I was a big preacher of, hey, let's, let's you know, this, the first thing let's is- Let's come back to this. Let's go back purpose. to the- yeah. Let's do this. That was my idea there. I don't remember if you remember Camp Kolob, Mike, but um, he's shaking his head that he does. And so that was my, what I was trying to achieve there was this needs to be a priesthood-driven thing. And I don't know if you remember or not, but one of the scout leaders there uh, was adamantly against me, thought I was doing this whole thing wrong that I shouldn't be doing what I was doing and actually completely boycotted me. I don't know if you remember that or not and started basically not, not cussing me out, but basically just said, I'm not, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to ruin the program doing what you're doing. Which is nonsense, of course. Well, but, but I mean, that was, it was a different philosophy. That's that, an attitude. That, you know, yeah. that, of course that's in my, when I was in my, my early forties when we were doing that and, you know, so that'd be what, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And that was kind of the thinking is that this scouting is really, that's what Aaronic Priesthood is, is scouting. Yeah, they were synonymous more or less. Yeah, with and the, I just, yeah, okay. I've never I agreed saying. with that. I've always gone, this is Aaronic Priesthood. We're going to do this activity and we can do whatever activity we need to, to meet the priesthood purposes. And can they, can they gel together with some things? Well, yeah, but some things they don't. So we don't do those. Well, they would. Like, for example, back when I was a kid growing up, we went to Camp Rees, Scout Camp Rees, which were really fun, but we always left on Saturday night. Saturday night, right. Always. Yeah, I remember that. We do that with Camp McCullough and everything. Yep. But these camps would go through Sunday night. You'd come home Sunday night, and we would never do that. We'd always leave early. Yep. I don't know what they did later on. I was sort of getting out of scouting, but my last experience, you know, was when I was, what, 42 or 43, and I was a young men's president in, in Meridian. Well, no, I was actually pre-scorm advisor in Las Vegas, but we didn't really do scouts there. In then, Vegas, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but that's, that's uh, so to answer your question, I, you know, that's probably the way it was supposed to, well, it was the way it was supposed to be, but it just started changing. So I got very disgruntled with it. And then I also started seeing a lot of the scouting, the way it was being funded and how much, how expensive things were getting. You know, when we were in Meridian, I, I got pricing on, on camps there in Meridian, um, that were up in the hills there. I don't remember some of the names of the camps in Idaho there, but um, $250, $280 for a week. And I'm just going, this is really expensive. And we started pricing out. We could get really nice meals, go do our own thing, have our own counselors, put our own camp together. We figured we could do it for under 100 bucks. So why are we paying almost $300 per boy to go to a scout camp? started becoming unwieldy in my opinion. Oh, I see what you're saying. 280 for to pay them per boy when we could do the entire thing for all the boys for less than 100. And make and and earn as many merit badges and Just have as, as much fun yeah. if not more and eat better. Right. The food was like really awful. When I was at Camp Baker, the food was awesome. Yeah. Of course I'm 14, you know, everything looks good, but but H- hunger is the best sauce. And <laughs> when is. you're 14, yeah. you are always hungry. But the but the leaders and even they all said, you know, the food was good. But it just you know, it just got more expensive. Yeah. And, they, and I think uh, BSA got very upside down, very overhead intense, too much money going places where it wasn't to the boys. It wasn't really helping the boys. Badges were getting more and more expensive. It was just, it started becoming very unwieldy. And I Maybe bureaucratic. Well, maybe, frankly, you're talking about somebody who loves scouting, who grew up in scouting. And I've told you a different experience. Yeah. I just absolutely love that. I wanted you boys to have the same kind of experiences that I did. But it just got to where now I'm, I'm just really glad that we parted ways with the BSA. Yeah. And, but I still think scouting done as BSA's got it is great. 
but it, it may or may not meet preset purposes. Right. So that's the difference. That's the thing. Scouting by itself is fantastic, oh, but I, as it, as we've tried to mingle it with, yeah, yeah, I see what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. We would always end up in these situations like in Redmond, and I, you probably don't remember this, either one of you guys, and, well, I know Mike doesn't, but in Redmond, you might have remembered that when you work on your Eagle, but this other scout troop was awesome. They were just a flint, straight up scout troop. They were sponsored by, I think it was sponsored by a church, or they were meeting in one of the churches, a Methodist church, I think, in town there in Redmond. But the scoutmaster had been there for like 10, 15 years. He was a scoutmaster. Yeah. His boys had all gone up through the program. He, They had like 75 boys. Yeah, they had it down pat. Oh I my mean, gosh, they, it was a they fine were science. Like killing scouting. It was yeah. awesome. You would go do stuff. They, that was the troop to join if you really they, wanted to go. Yeah, they would send scouting. boys back to, to uh, the National Jamboree. Was that in like uh, Philmont in Phil, New Mexico? No, no, I'm talking about back in Washington, D.C. in Virginia. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, the, the big national jamboree back there. You know, it's like a 10-day deal, and, you know, it costs like $3,000 per boy. So, anyway, it was just uh, quite a quite a um, expense yeah. to do that. Well, these guys had fundraising. They would they'd bring in, I talked to that scoutmaster when I was the bishop there in Redmond, and and they would bring in twelve, fifteen, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 some years. In, in fundraising, in fundraising, to keep word. their troop going, and we were like not even close, you, you, you know. And they thought we were a joke because we weren't serious about it. And sure. I, I had to admit, we're not serious. This yeah. is, this isn't serious scouting. Well, because yeah, because you had, yeah, you had the directives from the church, and then you sure. also have arguing with the scouting purposes, yep. and so this this headbutting kind of thing doesn't kind of creates this mediocre right tone to the whole thing. And so here, and I, I can't speak for Utah because I was only a leader in Utah just for that short time when I was a kid, you know, 22, 23 years old. But but I know that scouting was very big in Utah and a lot of the LDS troops and stuff were here. But my, my perception when, when we came here and looking at how they've done, it was it's very it was very scout-oriented and not so much a running priesthood. And I, I just saw the deterioration of that. And I, I just think it was it was wise to, to part ways. Yeah. Again, I think both programs are awesome. Obviously, the running priesthood is doing what it should be doing. And, and scouting is awesome. And if I had the, and I was younger and I had the energy, I'd totally like go become a scoutmaster and Absolutely. get a troop going because it was so much fun. I actually have heard that since the parting of the ways with the church and, and scouting is that for church members who are still involved in scouting, it's actually been a, a good thing from yeah. there. And because from their perspective, it's like, well, those who want to be here right. are the only ones here. That's right. Anybody that's here because it was like, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, Aaronic Priesthood and this is what we do. Exactly. And it's scouting, but I don't, I'm not really into scouting, but right. now I'm here. And you'd have Scoutmaster do that too. Yeah. Scout, you'd call right. somebody to be the Scoutmaster. Well, yeah, like, because the Scoutmaster was a calling know. rather than, than exactly. a, a job. And it, and it wasn't something that I, I love necessarily. It was just a calling. Yep. Whereas you know, with, with regular scouting, it's like, no, this I'm, I'm into this. Right. And it made the programs much better right. outside of, right, right. Exactly. You know, I honestly, and, and I don't have any, I'm not holding any grudges, but I kind of blame the church for me not getting my, my Eagle Scout because they changed uh, Scoutmasters. Cal was gone and called somebody else and the guy just hated scouting. We didn't do anything. Well, now I'm spending two years uh, not doing anything yeah. until I turn 16. And then I'm like, well, and at you know, 16 and 17, you can drive, cars, you're interested in girls. girls suddenly appear. You're just like, well, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just lost interest. In, well, and you and, moved. And we moved. And we yeah. moved. When I was 16 we or 17, we moved, moved from uh, Corvallis to, to, Bend. to Bend. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, so you lose that. So my, my momentum for earning uh, Eagle rank was just gone. Yeah. I just... And but I was a star. I had like you you know, eight support. merit badges left, and I could have done it. But uh, you know how you when you get distracted, then like you know. Well, and you're young. You, I mean, there's just a lot going on when you're a teenager. I mean, right. my gosh, I yeah. mean, plenty of what we would call distractions. But at that time, it's just like yeah. huge things we're doing involved right. with. And moving is a big deal as a teenager. I mean, junior year, geez. And then well, if you don't have the support structure to keep you going with scouting, uh, it's going to fall by the wayside. Right. And band didn't have a big scouting thing either. Although I do have. Three of my friends actually were, they were just going to become 18 and they were working on their, on their, trying to finish it up right before before they're 18. Good for them. But they had to do it themselves. They were self motivated to it. And I was like eight merit badges away and then I had to do my project. And it's like, this is why I really wanted you guys to like go for it early and get that before you started getting distracted. And I saw that, uh, you know, the writing on the wall for me on that. And I realized, but the big one is, you, you know, the church would change leaders. 
and in a regular troop, you just don't do that kind of thing unless somebody's really volunteering. You you have like four or five assistant scoutmasters, and they're they're working their way up to being scoutmaster. It's a, it's it's. I thought their structure was way better than what we could do in the church. Well, and their purpose was different. I think. It, yeah. Oh, absolutely, sure, yeah, totally. You know, and it's not just like the activity arm where we kind of do like half baked doing it. It's like no, they they're into it. You're gonna go. We're gonna be kind of scouting. This is what this is what we do in scouting. Yeah, we're hardcore. Yeah. yeah, and those those troops. That's why they were so we were so hard to they were so hard to compete against. Well, because that troop in yeah. Redmond, like they killed everybody on stuff. Um, well, and when you have scoutmasters, the leadership has been there for so long. The yeah. the program is very very structured. Oh, very. So new boys come in and they can immediately pick up the structure, pick up the pattern. Yeah, yeah. And so they get this really good uh, experience and training. Not that you know we haven't had good experiencers ourselves, but it, as far as like pure scouting, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, anyway, there's. So I don't regret that we've parted ways. Is what I guess sure. I'm saying. The church and the yeah, but sure. At the same time, I and I think there's some some great things about it. And even and I like I don't have a problem with the, if the girls want to be Boy Scouts, or whatever. I think it's kind of silly. Oh, the reason. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, well, that's fine, and it's more family oriented to do that. It's like because you go on camps together. Okay, fine, but you know. So I, I think that that's kind of my. There's so many fun things with scouting. Most of my fun experiences were when I was a kid. When you were a kid, yeah. And I think there was some definitely some fun experiences when you were in leadership. I remember fun experiences growing up myself yeah, and were. scouting. There were some there good, good well, times there. You start getting to talking about canoeing. I mean, uh, rafting. Rafting. Oh, down man. The, yeah, those, those kind of things. That's a hoot. Yeah. It's just a hoot. Well, and that's, and that, I don't, I don't attribute that myself mostly to scouting. I just attribute that to just good friends and good times and being together more than. See, I look at that as a right priesthood activity. Yeah. That's what I did. Right. Right. In my mind, that's what I was doing, yeah. but it was scouting. And if we can get merit badges and do it and go for that, I, I was game. Yeah. And I, I, I had great experience as far as that goes. Yeah. Camp Baldwin, that one trip we did. Yeah. Koala every year was. Koala was fun. Yeah. yeah. Free, freezing water in Makwala. Oh my gosh. It was cold water there. <laughs> Mountain runoff there. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that was do the polar bear early in the morning. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I overall mostly just really yeah, I'd have to say pretty positive experiences. As I got when I became bishop and other stuff was going on, I was at the more of the administrative level of the scouting arm arm. It just it started not being fun. Yeah. And it was it was expensive. And it was frustrating, and I just didn't. I didn't really enjoy it as as an administrator. Yeah. Overall, I think it was a, a good experience, and and I I don't regret. Actually, I don't regret any of it myself, and I think it's definitely for all of us. Well, obviously, I can't speak for you, but it's. I think it's fantastic into our our professional lives as well. Oh, as we totally. Go on, and I think it's. It's the soft skills, the the unspoken character type stuff. I know we that's kind of cliche. Well, you know, builds character, but it really the experiences. I think over time, really, oh yeah, really do. Yeah, yeah. I, I my leadership that affected how I how I worked with the young men's program was was my early years in scouting and what I learned from that, and how much fun I had with it, yeah. and what kind of a scoutmaster you know Cal was. I know he got essentially got booted out after a certain amount of time, but there was a certain amount of things like you know I you can still have fun and go do stuff, and it's supposed to be an adventure, you know. So so you got by on a hot dog that night, yeah, big deal, yeah. And you went the next day and you hiked and you were tired. Okay, well. What's wrong with that? Did anybody die? Yeah. Well, All right, no, then. <laughs> I, seriously. You know, and I, as I got to be older and we got in, and it was more administrative stuff, I had a lot of parents who like, you, you're being irresponsible here. Yeah. It's like, what? Because we didn't feed them a three-course meal at scouting Friday night? Yeah. I would get parents complaining at me. Like, okay, this is, you guys are missing the point here. Part of the character building is we did our, our, our you know, our tinfoil dinner and- Half of it got burnt, yeah. and I only was able to eat just the parts that weren't crispy, like blackened, and that's all I had to eat that night because that was my supper. Well, this is this is risks. This this is boys taking risks. You have yeah. to learn to take risks in an environment in a situation where you're not going to die, right? Right. You're not going to be seriously injured, so you can actually learn to take risks and realize, hey, this is okay. I can take risks, and I can take risks in life. So as you get older, you can take risks. Right. 
and go and healthy exactly. healthy risks. Well, you know, they always complain to cow, but you know, frankly, you always had like a pack of hot dogs in there in case somebody's going to starve. Well, it's like, well, here, yeah, I nobody's got, gonna I got an extra yeah, one of these here. You guys want to put? Yeah, that'd be great. You know, yeah, and, and so you're not going to starve. You're going to be fine, even if you like spent the whole night and you didn't have anything to eat and you got wet. Yeah, come on. I've got loads of stories like that. Me and Danny and Cam and Qual, Oh my gosh, just a hoot. So that's the character part, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's a really good point. And we we kind of we tend to it's an opportunity for boys to experience a little bit of difficulty, and and like you say, not be harmed. Not in an, in an actual dangerous situation. No, where where failure is is yeah. you know death or serious injury yeah sure now of course those happen and some people got really injured i mean you know i can i got some stories there too sure. people getting their getting cut with axes and you know people stuff. Start on, started on fire you know getting getting hit with a rock from a mud fight yeah. we had you know and there, you know stuff happens but boys will be boys yeah. to some extent though i mean come on and i think you know that could have happened at any other time other than scouting but yeah i just i think we we tend to we've gotten to where it's really been um, marshmallowed a little bit. It's yeah. we've really made it so that if it's difficult, then it's wrong. Like, yeah, not too much into that. Fifty mile hike was just freaking hard. That was really hard. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty mile. I remember. Well, I think actually I did our. I did my fifty mile a float. Yep. rather than a foot. And, and as a kid, I did a float and a and a foot both. Both. Yeah. Yeah, we could go through more stories about that, but yeah, yeah but but, uh, but those were great adventures. Yeah, they just were awesome. Yeah, character building. You know, stuff that was hard, but we did it. And as a leader, I learned how to lead boys that were my same age and how to how to motivate them to keep them moving when when it was like really discouraging. Yeah. Everybody wanted to sit down and do nothing. Everyone had big, what do you call them on your feet? Uh, boil, or not boils, but uh, blisters on Blister, their feet. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but we're not at camp yet and we can't go back because it's 20 miles that way. Yeah. And it's only four more miles to the camp up here. Just so keep going. You got to get up and we got we to keep going here. Yeah. So we're almost there. Yeah. Reflecting back on, on the experience, it's not just obviously the most form or most shaping were when you were younger. But looking back on those, do you think that's, or how has it affected, I guess, your professional career and also just your outlook on life? I mean, finding, finding your way forward hmm. through different experiences as, a, as an adult that, are, that don't necessarily, you know, intersect with scouting now or, you know, in the real world, so to speak. Well, I, I actually would have to say, and I don't know whether, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm not totally convinced that I was a, what I would call a natural leader, but I... I sort of fell to it without too much trouble early on. And I think a lot of that was because of scouting. And you know, I'd spent I'd spent my early years in my life up in the woods. So scouting and woods, I mean like they all went together. So I felt comfortable out there. So it wasn't an area where I was uncomfortable as far as the environments that we were in. You know, we camped as kids before I you know, I, I grew up in a you know, family who camped all the time and my dad was a Forest Service, you know, in the Forest Service, and we were on ranger stations. We were living up in the woods all the time. I was comfortable with with the mountains and the woods and the trees and that was lakes. all familiar. It was, was this new new element of of leadership and other boys right. and leading people. That right. was the new. But thing. when you know what you're doing out there, you you have confidence and you're not worried. You're not scared, and so it's easy to go. Well, hey, I, you know, come on, let's go. Hey, I, we've done this. Let's go do this. And so it, I kind of I think fell to it that way. Um, and I've, I've always liked to, I, I, I like motivating people. I didn't know that, but that's something that I think I've, I started realizing way early on at 12 years old, you know, and became a deacon scrum president. And I started, you know, trying really kind of taking the leadership thing seriously. And I, I feel like I've, from those formative years in scouting and seeing, you know, what not to do and what to do and what was good and what was fun, what was hard, what was best, you know, kind of things. I got a lot of, a lot, I think some, some, a good foundation of leadership. And I, I believe I'd have to attribute a lot of that to scouting and to the Aaronic priesthood, the work, the service in the Aaronic priesthood, you know, cause I was teacher scrum president as well. And then I became priest scrum, you know, first assistant. And I've just been in leadership in the church and between the church and scouting, I'd have to say that's where I've been able to really develop a lot of those leadership skills. And so, how did it affect me? You know, perspective on my life. 
probably in untold ways, un, un, unknown even to myself, but have just been, it's become part of, part of who I was, who, who, I, who I grew up thinking that I was, what my perception of myself was relative to others in those areas, you know, you know, and I was, I was always disappointed that I never, never got equal rank because of that. But I, I didn't, I didn't really, for some reason, didn't take the initiative with my own self to finish, you know, my Eagle. I was very, you know, cause I felt very proud of the, the work that I had done. I felt like I'd really earned those badges and the, you know, those merit badges and I'd really earned those ranks. And I was very, very happy with my work on it. You know, I wasn't like I was, well, that was a piece of cake. That didn't, you know, it's like I remembered those merit badges and they were, I worked at them. It, it was hard. I mean, I'm, there were some of them that were hard, some of them were easy, sure. but, but other ones were, were difficult. And I remembered a lot of them and I, I think that all impacted my, my life perspective on it and, and my love of leadership of, of young men and boys has always been something I've done my whole life. And, you know, when, when you get into, you know, even now I'm, you know, teaching, you know, young adult age, 20, you know, 18 to whatever, however old they are when they still come to college, you know, non-traditional students, but yeah. certainly everyone in their twenties and 18s and 18 to twenties, um, there's just a little bit, a little bit older Boy Scouts. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> it's really what it amounts to. They're just a little bit more tour. You know, now they shave instead of, you know, not. So they're just a little bit older, um, but the similar kinds of things. And I, I guess that's stuff that I've just, I've learned and carried with me on how to, how to do it. It's this combination of having fun, but being organized and expecting uh, a, a better result instead of just going along, making, making something happen as a leader. And that to me has always been sort of a core leadership belief in me is you get in and you, you got to make it better than it was when you got there. So, or just organizationally, um, as well as the way, you know, helping people to develop and scouting really did that a lot. It, it was, you know, help you develop skills and, you know, you learn how to build a fire, how to sharpen a knife and an ax and how to do orienteering, how to read a compass and figure out where you are and how to survive one night in the wilderness, you know, kind of thing. And, um, how to canoe, how to paddle stuff. I mean, there's just so many little things that you could gain confidence that you could survive, even though you probably couldn't actually. I mean, there's not enough there to really, the wilderness survival thing that Mike and I went on was, was scary. Actually, it was just like, there was just nothing out there. <laughs> and Mike and I remember that up in the, up in the, not the Satus, or no, it was, it was around Seven Devils area Seven Devils. in Idaho. Freaking rugged country. Man, that was difficult country up there, wasn't it? Yeah. And just so uh, harsh, such harsh land. Yeah. And uh, so those kind of things, you know, so I'm, I'm not sure I could have actually learned how to survive up there, but, you know, you could dig in and, and learn more. But those are, I guess to answer your question, really, those are things that just you start to, they, over time, as a kid, they start to become how you look at the world. And so how do I tell what effect that had? I don't know exactly, but I know that it did. And in all these kind of different ways that I've talked about. Confidence. Positive and, way. And skill in a positive way. I actually don't know that I have. There were, there were, there were I mean, I don't want to get into some of these things. I mean, there's a ton of different experiences. There, there were some, some things that were negative that happened, but I learned from the negative, like, we don't, this is not how you treat people. Uh, Cause some of the boys got really nagging on a couple of the other kids really bad. And this one kid almost committed suicide on a scout camp with us. And uh, we, and I realized I was the leader at that time. I was a senior patrol leader then as well. Senior patrol leader a lot seemed like <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, that was not a good experience. That was not something we should have ever done. We we started making fun of this kid and it, it was, was not cool. And the adult leader didn't didn't stop us, so yeah. And I was more complicit. I wasn't really like leading the pack on it, but I was complicit, which was what I learned from leadership. It's like, no, you need to stop that. You need to keep that stuff from happening. Yeah. We, we went too far, you know, with this kid. He he ended up not doing it, and but I don't know what happened to him after. You know, the fact is we rejected him, and for no real reason, no real cause, no basis, and yeah. that's just not right. So that kind of those kind of things formed my view of like don't do this and this is good but don't do these kind of things and you know so yeah 
It also, and I got to say too, it also helped me, in my opinion, what it was to be a boy and to be, and to eventually be a man. What There's things about the, it was a very male oriented thing and it was really enjoyable that way. I, I never, I never felt any kind of gender confusion at all. I was, you know, this is, this is what boys do kind of thing. And I, I felt like that really has formed a lot of my view on it as well. Not that one gender is, is not as good as the other, but, uh, you know. And no, it's, it's not a comparison thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a real it's a gender identity. Of who, we're, of who we yeah, are, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As men. Well, thank you very much. This has been really good. Missing a lot of stories, man. Oh, I, could I know. Go on. There's a ton of we stories. Could go on for a long time. I got 50 milers a foot and a float that have got for stories. The mosquitoes, that that's quit. my favorite part of that whole thing. Some fun stuff out there oh, with my that. Word. I, I, I literally, I, it was a, a highlight of my youth with scouts. Scouts. Hands down. Yep. Really, really fun. Totally. And I wanted you boys to experience that. So I, I don't know if you felt like you did or not. I guess that's not a feedback we're doing here, but. You know, you both earned Eagle Scout, and I don't think I put you in too much duress in doing so. I know that you have to get pushed, and I, I needed to be pushed too, so I knew that there was a certain amount of pushing there, but it was such a good experience for me. I wanted you guys to experience the same thing, so, or at least have your own experience, of course, but, you know, right. but, but experience what, the opportunity. what that was about. Yeah. And get into it. Including, you know, the burnt stuff and the burnt <laughs> Sleepless nights. Yeah, the crying oh, yeah. over stuff. And, and I, th I think we both have our own stories. Oh, yeah. I've heard I've some of them, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, but, see, that's, that's to me, that's okay. That's, that's part, of, part of what it is to, to feel like it, what it means to be a scout and Go experience those kind of things, the difficulties, and yeah. that's part of the fun. Absolutely. And the achievement is valuable. You know, earning those bear badges, you know. No one can take it from you. No, it's like it's I, yours. I went and learned this uh, enough to be able to pass it. And, you know, there's some stuff that was very easy for us. Uh, sure. Yeah. But there was other ones that were, they were hard. They were hard to do. Well, we have been chatting with Dan Perry. We are broadcasting from Provo, Utah here for our second interview. Of uh, so you can hear me when I'm gone. Uh, Dad, thanks for thanks for being with Absolutely. us. Absolutely, it's fun. You'll have to uh, check us out for our next interview. Thank you all. <laughs>